The world tells us about love. I'm just using songs, all right? Old time. I'm an old person. Old songs to um, describe love. And sadly, they only just really missed the point. Like that song I said before was, um, you've lost that loving feeling. The Bible actually talks about love as something more than a feeling. You know, we're, we're taught that, um, or we grow up feeling love for somebody. But the more I read my Bible, the more I get to know God and his love, it's actually more than a feeling. It's actually a choice and an action. It's like um, getting hit by a truck, right? Now, if I was to get hit by a truck, I would feel pain, right? The truck is not pain. But the result of being hit by the truck, I feel pain. Love is not a feeling, but real love, it brings that feeling. It brings that feeling. Every one of us have got a hole inside of our souls that is not satisfied until we experience pure, true love, God's love. Now, in the Bible, there's different words. I mean, it's written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, <laughs> but there's different words for love. And uh, we read it in English and we just see the word love, but behind that is actual different meaning. Okay, so we're going to have a bit of a journey uh, through some of the, some of the Bible um, tonight, but also next week and maybe the week after that to look at love. Now, Kirsten shared with us from um, John chapter 15, which is Jesus, right? And it's Jesus last night on the earth before he goes to the cross, right? And he's with his disciples, with his love, lovely disciples. He's just washed their feet so everyone smells nice. They've had a meal and they've been praying and singing hymns. And Jesus talks about love. And in that passage that Kirsten read for us, she said the word love nine times in Greek, nine times. Now, little lesson you probably some of you already know probably there's there's three main greek words in the original greek for love okay and they are phileo eros agape phileo meaning brotherly love okay so like um philadelphia the city in, in america it's it's named after it's, it's a city of brotherly love <laughs> um Eros, we get our word erotic from it. It's a sexual love, all right? We've been created as sexual beings. And agape is the love of a one-way, continual, without ceasing, no questions asked, God love. God, God loves you. Like, God loves, God loves you. We don't hear that message a lot in church, even. And I remember preaching it. In January, I think it was about four weeks before we went into COVID <laughs> in you know last year. God loves you. Because not, not, not a lot of it is not a lot of God's love is preached on in church. Because we like to put conditions on love. And uh, God's love has no conditions. So in um in 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 the reading that Kirsten read for us, she said the word love. Nine times, right? Which love do you think it was? Phileo, eros, or agape? Brotherly love, 
sexual love or God's one-way love. God's one-way love. All right? Nine times Jesus says, so he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Now that means just stick to my love. Stay in my love. He's just talked to them about being a vine and his disciples being branches, right? If you stick to Jesus, you'll grow. If you, if you stay in relationship with Jesus, you will grow and you'll be, you become more like him in his attitude towards people. You see how Jesus treated people? You'll become more like that in your attitude if the longer you stick with Jesus as of sticking with him. Here, as, you, as long as you abide. And Jesus gives us the hint here. He says in verse uh, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If you've got a Bible with you, open it up to there. Wherever I'm going, just open it up because you're better off listening to what God's saying through his word than, than me through my mouth. But Jesus gives us a bit of a hint here on how to abide in his love, how to stick with his love. And he says, if you keep my commandments. Now, I thought Jesus was anti-commandments. You know, like we're, we're told in the Old Testament that there's 10 commandments. You know, and if uh, and and I grew up thinking if you didn't keep those ten, ten commandments, you're going to hell. And uh, then I later on in my life, I realized no one can really keep those ten commandments properly. So it's it's like we're all in the same boat. We're all going that way. So Jesus isn't talking about those commandments, okay? But he says if you keep my commandments, then then the next verse down in verse. Uh, 12, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. If you got your Bible, if you got a paper Bible, put your finger in that spot and go back a couple of pages, a couple of chapters to John 13. Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet. And in John 13, verse 34, Jesus says to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Now, this love is also the one way God love, agape love. All right. This is not like I'm, I'm going to love you if or I'm going to love you when. It's just I'm going to love you. Because that's my nature to love, right? And this is Jesus saying, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now, he, he calls it a new commandment because there was an old one that said, um, like there was this guy that came up to Jesus one day and he said, what commandments are the greatest, right? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. So as you love yourself, that's how you love your neighbor, all right? So you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, in other words, all right? So that was the that was the standard, right? So I, I love myself, you know? I, I make sure I feed myself and drink water and clothe myself and look after myself as much as I can. If I feel sick, I go to the doctor, you know, as would you, all right? And, and so... Jesus is saying that's got to be more than that now. He says, it's a new commandment I give you. Love one another, not as you love yourself, but as I have loved you. 
Now, this is really, really important because the way Jesus loves is this agape love. It's not a, if you love me, I'll love you. It's a, I'm just going to love you. You know, the only two, there's only two, no, I'll rephrase it. Do you know who is able to love? God and people. Your dog doesn't love you. All right, I'm sorry, but your dog doesn't love you. It loves the idea of being fed by you and having you around, all right, and playing, all right? There's that kind of love, but your dog doesn't love you, all right? So God loves you and people can love you, all right? But uh, no, no. church can't love you. You know, a, a, a ministry at a church, can't, an institution at a church, some kind of ministry can't love you. It's like um, just up the road here, there's Coles. You ever been to Coles and gone through the self-checkout bit or Woolies and gone through the self-checkout bit? Instead of seeing a real person, you think, oh, I'm not going to wait that long. I'm going to go through the robot place, right? So you go through and you're hearing this robotic voice telling, I don't know who the lady is that does that, but she does a really great job. And at the end, you press yes or no to get a receipt, right? And then, so you press yes, get a receipt. And then what happens? A voice says to you, thank you for shopping at Coles. A robotic voice. Anyone here ever responded to that voice? <laughs> You're welcome. No? Yes, thank you so much. Because I've done that before. But you think about it. Like I thought about it afterwards because I'm an idiot. So I was, I'll say, oh, you're welcome. And really they're not thankful because it's a robot. Like that robot can't thank me. It doesn't know who I am. All right? Like how, an institution can't love you, doesn't know who you are. But, but you know what? This church is never going to love Pakenham. It's never going to love the people in Pakenham. All right? This, this church is never going to love the people of Pakenham. But you are, you can, and God can. He, that's, that's it. All right? And Jesus understood this principle. So when he got 12 fellows together, he said, this is how you're going to love people. This is going to make a difference. Right? Love them. As much as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, so also love others. Love one another. A new command. There's this passage, and I nearly got, I changed the Bible reading on your day, but um, turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians 13. So we've got a couple of weddings coming up in January and, uh, and also in February. And guaranteed, this has probably come up somewhere. 1 Corinthians 13. And um, everywhere you see the word love here is also that same word in Greek, agape love. All right? It's a one-way, no questions asked, I love you, love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I... Pro if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, wow, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, in other words, to sacrifice it for somebody else, right, but have not love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. No matter what I say, no matter what I do, no matter what I believe, if it's not driven by love, I'm wasting my time and everyone else's. And Jesus understood this principle. And he actually lived, he lived love. He didn't just teach about it. He actually lived it out. He showed us what love was. He showed us what love was. Um, in, in Luke 6, Jesus takes it to a whole nother level. All right. In Luke chapter 6. So we're going to be the journey through the Bible tonight. But that's all right. We're a church. We like the Bible. Luke 6 and verse 27 onwards. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Actually, no, he's talking to a group of people as well as his disciples, right? And he says to them, but I say to you who hear. Now, when Jesus says that, I say to you who hear, that's where your ears need to prick up like our puppy dog, um, Yogi. Listen, right? Pick up your ears and listen to what Jesus is going to say because it's really important. All right? I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. It's easy to love people who love you, right? Like if someone loves you, it's easy to love them back. Unless like, you know, you've got issues and it's difficult, all right? Or they're a weirdo. <laughs> but loving people that love you, I find pretty easy. Loving people that don't love you, loving people that hate you, loving people that have nothing but your worst intentions in mind, that's counter normal. That's supernatural to love that way. And I think, just have a look at this. I mean, if you've got that Luke 6 open again, this is actually talking about how God loves, like how God loves. Because the Bible says in Romans Chapter 5, verse 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like God showed his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we still just didn't care about God, like even before we were born, God decided to fix the problem that you and I have with sin in our lives and shame and guilt and unworthiness and whatever it is. He already made a solution to the problem. Before you even deserved it, before you even decided to go, you know what, God, I think maybe what you're saying is right. Even before that, God decided to put his love on the line and just throw it out there and say, this is what's going to happen. You know, the Bible says in, in the New Testament that before the creation of the world, Jesus was crucified. All right. Now, that's just 
not literal, but before he was he was chosen to be crucified before the creation of the world. That means before Adam and Eve, before the Garden of uh, Eden, before the first tree, before the first sin. So God had a God had a solution to the problem before there was a problem. God loves us that much. God loves us that much. And here it says in um, in this passage in Luke six, I believe that's the way God loves us. You know, he says to you, to you who hear, love your enemies, do, do good to those who hate you. God is continually doing good today to people who hate him. We have air. This is a good thing. We have water. This is a good thing. We have life. This is a good thing. There are many people who hate God today that he is loving by sharing his creation with them. Because he's so good and loving. Then Jesus says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. We see it at Easter time, Jesus stuck on a cross. And what's he doing? He's praying for the people that are stuck in there. And he's saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's love. That's loving an enemy, right? And the one who strikes you on the left cheek, on, on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you and from, from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. God is just continually giving. He's continually showing his grace and favor. And it's beautiful because the Bible also says that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Some Christians believe that it's the, uh, it's the judgmental preaching on the street corner that leads people to repentance. But it's not. It's the kindness of God. That leads people to repentance. His love leads us to repentance. And Jesus talks about loving enemies and this and that, this and that. And he says in verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Do you know that word benefit there is actually the word grace? It's charis in Greek. In other words, if you love others who love you, what grace do you get? Or what grace have you received? Almost like if you're finding it difficult today to love somebody, maybe it's because you haven't received God's love yourself. Because it's God's love that enables us to love others, to forgive others. In fact, love and forgiveness are synonymous. They're sort of almost two sides of the same coin. Um, Peter, the disciple that had foot in mouth disease, lit like not literally, but, you know, he'd often just, Bleh. I'm, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you, you speak before you think. Or you just speak while you're thinking. And that's great. At least you know what I'm thinking. But 1 Peter, he wrote 1 Peter, right? And he wrote these words in 1 Peter 4 verse 8. He says, he says to the church there, he says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. You know, it's really interesting because um, it doesn't say love agrees with the sins. It says love covers a multitude of sins. And that, that means it covers them. It doesn't mean they don't exist anymore. It doesn't mean they don't affect you anymore or other people anymore. It just means that the offense is not bothering you anymore because you've shown, you've covered it with love. All right? And that word actually is agape as well that Peter uses. It's love. It covers. Um it hides it. 
It hides it. It conceals it. And Peter here is actually quoting a proverb in, in Proverbs, which talks about concealing an offence, hiding an offence. Anyone ever played cryptic crosswords before? No. no. Have you, Anna, did you nod then? But do you know what they are? They're in the newspaper or they're like, you know, they're online. Just Google cryptic crossword. Sorry, hopefully my phone just didn't start searching cryptic crossword. But if you look at it, the clues are strange. But inside the clue, like one across, it'll say like something weird. But inside there is hidden the answer. If you, if you think outside the box, it's hidden in there, right? Um, and this, this word actually the Peter uses and that the Proverb 10 verse 12 uses is this idea that it's hidden in there, all right? So it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's actually crypt. It comes from the Greek word crypt, like a, a, a crypt, where you hide a dead person, right? <laughs> dead body. But it's, it's hidden. It's covered. It's hidden. It doesn't mean that uh, above all, keep loving each other so that you agree with their sin or forget about their sin or don't let their sin hurt you anymore. Like, partly that. But it just means if it's real love, like God's love, it doesn't get offended by that sin any longer. Okay? Cool. It forgives. It forgives. The, the best way to illustrate it is using a story that Jesus told in Matthew 18. Um, Matthew 18. Peter, <laughs> Peter again, comes to Jesus and um, he's a little bit, you know, puffed out with the chest and he's like, Jesus, I forgave someone more than three times. You know, because, um, you know, forgiving somebody three times for something was the expected requirement. And so Peter comes to Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter comes up to Jesus and says to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? So Peter's gone, I could do seven times. It's better than three. It's even more than double. And Jesus, he doesn't go, yeah, Peter, that's a fantastic idea. I love your holiness in that, you know, and that you're really striving to forgive people. He doesn't say that. He says, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. All right. Now, he doesn't mean 490 times. Is that what it is? 70 times seven? 490 times. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> it's a zero with the seven and 70 times seven. He doesn't mean that, though. Jesus is not using maths. He's meaning this is a continual thing. There should be in every single person who's following Jesus and has accepted his forgiveness, there should be a mechanism in us which we can tap into that we can continually forgive those who sin against us. Not that we agree with them, not that we condone their behavior, but that we are now children of God and we are like our Father in heaven, forgiving them. Just like God forgave us before we deserved it, before we earned it, before we even thought about it, he sent Jesus to deal with our problem, which I think is beautiful. And that's the love of God. Before we could even earn it. Love. Now, this is great. Like, it sounds great. It's, you know, good head teaching and whatever. But 
showing that love in the world, it's actually really tough. It's actually tough. It means that it means that I have to show love to the people that offend me. I actually have to show love to the people that offend me, people that I don't agree with, the people that seem to get through life doing bad things or saying bad things or planning bad things. And they seem to be getting by in life. And, and, and for the justice-oriented people in the room, that's a tough thing, isn't it, to love your enemy to, or to love those who, um, to love everyone. It's tough to forgive others. It's hard. It's hard. But love forgives. Love shows mercy. Love covers a multitude of sin. Um, and in Luke, where Jesus was talking about loving your enemy and, and how, um, and how you know, what grace is that to you? What benefit is that to you? Or credit is that to you? If you just love the people that love you? He actually goes on and he says, if you, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. That's God's love. Like that's what he's done in Jesus. He's given, he's lended, he's done. And he's expected nothing in return. But there will come a day, there will come a day where he will expect. And we'll all stand before him going, I don't deserve it. But Jesus will step in and go, hang on, they believed in me back on the 21st of whatever it is today. and So they're okay. But he will one day expect it. But then he says these words. He says, um, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons and daughters of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful or the unthankful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. See what Jesus does there is he talks, talks to these people in front of him about loving enemies. And he says, if you can do it like this, you look like your Father in heaven. Kids look like their parents. Yeah, sorry, boys. <laughs> I'm not talking like looks. I'm obviously, I'm not sorry for good looks. But behavior man mannerisms and bad habits and, um, you know, uh, yeah, I think I pretty much covered it. But we inherit the genes, you know, as well. Like we were talking just the other night about parents and genes and, you know, passing down disabilities to, to them. And, um, but... This is what Jesus is talking about, love. Like you can tell the people out there, the people that don't know Jesus firsthand, they can actually tell who God is by looking at how you love. They can understand what God's love is like by looking to see how you love. So if you're loving others only when they love you back, what are they learning about God? Well, if I love God, then he's going to love me. If I do this, then he's going to do this for me. And that's sad because that's not the way God works. He loves us first. No questions asked. He shows his love. I'll finish. That's enough talking, I think. I'll finish with this, another scripture. There's a lot of scriptures. We're recording this so you can listen to it later if you like. But in Ephesians, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to this church in Ephesus. And Ephesians 4, 
the end of it. He says these words in verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, don't quench what he's doing in your life. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Right? It shouldn't characterize who you are as a believer. Along with all malice. All right. And then he says these words, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's big forgiveness. Therefore be imitators, verse 1 of chapter 5, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We should look like our, our, our Father in heaven, just like Jesus looked like the Father in heaven. Now, I didn't finish the story that Jesus was sharing before from Matthew 18, so we'll finish on that. Because it's really important that we practice what we receive. If we've received forgiveness, then we practice forgiveness. If we receive his love, the Bible says that he's poured out his love in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. If that's the truth, then we should give that love. We're not a lake. We're a river. A river receiving his love and pouring it out. So in Matthew 18, Jesus responds to Peter, I, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Then he tells a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he, began to, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's an unpayable debt. That's huge, right? Unpay ridiculously huge. 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, obviously, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. That's horrible, terrible tragedy. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. He's on the ground, snot, mucus, blubbering mess. All right, I can't pay this debt, but please have mercy on me. Have pity on me, right? Be patient with me. And in verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Wow. That's huge. That's a huge debt, right? Imagine how you'd feel with that kind of debt being paid. It's amazing. You'd feel great. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which isn't that much of a debt. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, right? It's not blubber, blubbering mess on the ground. Pleaded with him saying, pay, uh, sorry, pleaded with him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported the, to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I gave you all that, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not have, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy 
on you. It's expected, isn't it? And sadly, we see the next verse, verse 34. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Now that confuses me because it says he, he was handed over to the jailers until he should pay what? All his debt. But in verse 27, it said the master had forgiven him the debt. So now he's got a debt again. Why? Because he didn't experience and practice and apply the forgiveness that he received from his master. He didn't show it to others. And so therefore it was proof that he actually didn't really receive that forgiveness himself. You know, Jesus, when he was asked by the disciples about prayer, how to pray, they, he, he taught them the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Right? And then if you see later on, it says, if you forgive others, then you'll be forgiven. If, you're not, if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. What Jesus is saying in there is that unless we really experience forgiveness, we'll find it really difficult to forgive people because it doesn't make sense because it's natural to not forgive. It's supernatural to forgive. It's natural not to love our enemy. But it's supernatural to love our enemy. And we're called children of God. So let's go out there and be his hands and feet. Let's show people real love. And I'm so sorry this is the message for tonight because you're probably going to have a really, really bad week. You're probably going to have people coming into your face being really mean and abusive and whatever, and it's going to be really tough. All right? Walk away. Don't, don't fight. Don't get into the arguments. But love. Find ways to practically love on those people. All right? And if you know someone that, that needs some love, uh, maybe they're grumpy because they just need some love. I don't know. But um, secretly put something in their letterbox or something just to bless them. Not a bomb, but like a little <laughs> note. You know, just something nice. Just do something nice. Find out what they like, what chocolate they like. Just leave it anonymous. You might look, write a little note. This is from God. God said to leave it here. Not me. It was not my idea. It was his. But just that's what the world needs, a bit of love. Yeah. And we'll change, we'll change Pakenham one life at a time, one person at a time as we share the love of God with them because that's what makes a difference. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we just, none of us deserve your love. You just, we just thank you for your love. We thank you so much for your love. And we, we, we just want to receive your love tonight. We just want to receive your love tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you have um, proven your love to us in the person of Jesus. You've proven it. You've put, you've put skin on your love. And you took, you took our shame and our sin and our death upon your shoulders and you dealt with it so that we don't need to be ashamed. We don't need to feel condemned. We don't need to sin. We don't need to be afraid of the penalty of sin. We, we don't need to be afraid of death because of what you did for us, Jesus. The Bible says you, you became sin so that we could be right with God. And that's just love. And Lord, it doesn't make sense to our heads. But Lord, we pray that you'd fill our hearts with your love so that we might be um, imitators of our Father in heaven this week. In Jesus' name.